Tell me you don't. And then you do stock buybacks. So I need stock buybacks explained to me because this is how I view them. <clears throat> I, I view it as this in, in-house inflation because I see it as you're just going to pump up that bubble. Because if you're a company, right, you're, you're not doing so well, pandemic, recession, what have you, whatever. Your company's bad. Your stock price plummets. You get this government money. Your first instinct is to just buy back your stock. How is that making your business better? It's just making it's making it better on paper. Again, perceived value as opposed to actual value. So why are stock buybacks allowed? Because to well, me, it just in, inflates the bubble upon bubbles, which is just the U.S. economy is made up, in my opinion, of a billion different kinds of bubbles. Right, but it's, it's, it's a two-edged sword. Explain so, how. Okay, let's look at Meta or Facebook. In the last year, they've spent literally $200 billion on stock buybacks, and the stock has done nothing but go down. Yeah, so maybe if they spent it on infrastructure, What's that? <laughs> maybe if they spent it on actually improving their company instead of inflating their stock price. Yeah, exactly. It went, well, it went down because the money was misspent. Right, exactly, and, and that's my point. It's it's capital allocation. So yeah. how much capital you have as an individual or a company, how well you spend that capital. So if you're a chief financial officer of a company and you know what your sales are out for the next year, two years, or three years you know what your costs are and you're sitting there looking at your stock going, wow, man, uh, our stock is kind of cheap versus the next two to three years. You know what? Maybe we need to do some stock buybacks because that would be the best capital allocation we, we can do. I don't agree with that all the time. I, you know, maybe you should be allocating that capital for better software, new plant equipment, et cetera. But you got to understand a lot of these companies are driven by quarterly earnings and you know, what's the quarterly and if you look at what's happened this year, you have companies that have made it on sales, missed a little bit on earnings, and the stocks are getting hammered. And it's they're like, hey, just stay with us because you know we think we're good capital allocators. So you know, stock buybacks. If you're a CFO and you're sitting there going, where am I going to allocate my capital? Okay, our stock is cheap right now. If you notice what happens, you don't really get stock buybacks when the stock market's at all-time highs. Most of the stock buybacks yeah. happen when stocks are depressed. In fact, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, the global financial crisis of 2008. It was really brought on by the banks having to do something called mark-to-market of their portfolios that banks had. I'm going to give a shout out to Brian Westbury, probably the best economist that you can follow on First Trust. But he identified mark-to-market accounting where what was happening during 2008 is the government came out and said, if you're a bank, you've got to price your portfolio every day. Well, if banks and banks have many times illiquid securities, so the banks were sitting there going, oh my gosh, no, there's no bid on this. We got to price it down and down and down. Finally, the government said, we're doing away with mark to market accounting. Well, the banks were like, whoa, okay. That means our portfolio is worth much more because we don't have to fire sale it out. And oh, by the way, our bank stock is worth much more we're going to do some bank buybacks, and it literally saved uh, us from, you know, literally having a global financial meltdown slash depression. So, you know, again, there, there's a lot of uh, did it save it or did it delay it? Right. Well, did it kick that can? Did, did it kick right. the can down the road? Well, and and that's the other question. I mean, so, that's a question. It's impossible to know, right? Yeah. But, or you know, I'm just playing and, devil's advocate. And, and again, 
you know, there's something called deflation. You know, we're experiencing the opposite. We're in, experiencing inflation right now. Deflation is when prices go down. And I had a, a fixed income manager one time. He gave me a great analogy. He's like, okay, you got a balloon. The balloon's blown up too big. Do you want to pop the balloon and have asset prices drop 70 to you know 80%? Or do you prick the balloon and have the balloon slowly come down and asset prices come down? And that's kind of what happened from 2008 to 2019. Yeah. And then you had this big scare like, oh, hey, 2020, we're shutting down the economy. Oh, wait, we're going to pump all kinds of money. We're going to blow it back up. I think you're right from the standpoint that, A, and I'll go back another circle back to the beginning of our, our talk, is that we've never shut down our economy. We never opened it back up. We never pumped trillions of dollars into our economy to keep it from collapsing. So is it better to have your economy collapse or is it better to be where we're at right now? And from my own personal experience, I think there's a thin veneer of civilization out there that you know, if you start taking away people's food and warm homes, et cetera, I don't think we want to see what's on the other side of that thin veneer of civilization. The board flips. <laughs> yeah. You know, you no, you're right. I, I think I do agree it's it's bad to pop the balloon. Right? Definitely. Cause that's just there's just chaos. So yeah. def deflation sounds to me sounds good, but it's gonna collapse eventually. You know, you can't just build up the house of cards. Right. And I lost my point. I lost my point. Yeah. You can't just build up the house of cards and I don't know. I lost.